0: The Everyday Style School podcast is sponsored by The Style Circle, the monthly membership where you can learn all the skills you need to ditch wardrobe overwhelm, style yourself like a pro, and gain the confidence you deserve. The Style Circle offers classes, wardrobe guides, support, and personalized advice from me. It's the most affordable way to get the professional style guidance you've always wanted. Head over to youreverydaystyle.com to get started today. Hello, gorgeous. Welcome back to the Everyday Style School podcast. In these last few weeks of 2020, this wild and wacky year, we've got a few wardrobe-focused episodes for you, but I've also got a couple of fun interviews about some different things that I'm passionate about. Today is one of those days. Now, you may not know this, but I'm a bit of a self-discovery nerd. I have never met a BuzzFeed personality quiz that I didn't have to stop whatever I was doing and immediately take. Yes, I do need to know what bath and body work scent my personality is. How on earth would I live without that information? Anyway, while I'm a big fan of the silly quizzes, I also like the more in-depth, actually learn-about-yourself kinds of things. I've done the Myers-Briggs, Clifton Strengths, Love Languages, the Brand Archetype, and the Enneagram, which is what we're talking about today. I could explain what the Enneagram is, how it's helped me, Or I could just let today's guest expert explain it all, which is probably a much better idea. Today, we've got Enneagram expert and life coach Jackie Coben joining us. Jackie is a triple certified coach in Enneagram life and neuro-linguistic programming in the Greater New York City area, working with individuals and companies to create sustainability and reach goals through self-awareness and emotional intelligence. Jackie helps people understand the who, what, and why they are at their core. Hi, Jackie. Thanks
1: for joining us today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I love your intro. I was When you said, uh, hello, gorgeous, I was about to be like, hi. I am pretty. You're right. I am pretty.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you for having me on. Our pleasure. Our listeners know that normally we ask every guest three questions about her style before we really get started, just to get to know you a little bit. But we've got so much to cover today because I've asked you to describe each of the nine types. So we're just going to skip forward a little bit and get right into it. Is that okay with you? That sounds great. Perfect. First of all, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and how you got
1: started yeah, absolutely. So, um, my name is Jackie. I am twenty six years old. I live right next to New York City, so if I was uh, in shape, I could bike there, but I won't. Um, <laughs> and uh, I mean i've I've kind of done it all. I worked with survivors of trafficking out of college. I worked in nonprofits. I worked in finance, and then I was like, you know what? The common denominator is helping people. I need to figure out how I'm gonna do that. So I worked on being a coach, got certified in a few different things, and here we are
0: love that. By the way, before we started our interview, Jackie and I were just chatting and she was saying how she lives outside of New York city. So she has bats and rats and I (laughs) live in the middle of nowhere. So I have cows and coyotes when I open my windows. So we have very, very different
1: lights.
0: (laughs) Oh, well, oh, well. All right. And the other thing you told me is in an email is that you don't like personality quizzes. Mm -mm. Tell me about that. So it's funny that
1: you brought up BuzzFeed because I was I was trying to stifle a laugh as much as possible because I always say if you're gonna take Buzzfeed's what pasta are you? Yeah. Uh, P.S. I'm always rotini, just so we all know. Okay, fair. That's fine because it's yes, no, you know, option preference. But something with the Enneagram, which we're gonna get into, and it'll make more sense. It's so deep, and there's no one across the table for mm-hmm. from you to say, well, why or well, when did you notice that? or do you do that to protect yourself? or like is that really your gut reaction? Like there's no one there to ask, and it's it's people are not black and white, so this is this can't be black and white. So I actually don't like the online Enneagram tests interesting, but I'm going to tell people to go take one anyway. Yes, because, yes.
0: <laughs> and I'll tell you, I've taken a couple of them, different ones, and I've gotten like wildly different results. Me too. So then I had to take a third one and it aligned with one of them. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you just take enough of them that a pattern starts to, to emerge. Right. But I totally get what you're saying. Even, you know, those, those, I don't know, personality tests, I guess you would call them when you're applying for jobs. And they'll say things like, I like clowns. And you don't know how to answer that. Like, well, I mean, define like, like, define like, I'm not afraid of them. But also like, I don't go to clown conventions. Or, you know, I enjoy watching movies all day. Well, I guess like sometimes, you know, on a snowy day in January, right. but no, I like hate I won't <laughs> be hanging out in my office watching movies all day if that's what you're worried about. So yeah, I think sometimes they're so like black and white or binary that- there is no other context around these things. And then you're just like, oh, I, I guess I like clowns. And no, I don't right. enjoy movies. I don't know. I don't know. Then you think of my
1: psychopath. I, I don't know. Exactly. I don't know. Exactly. I mean, in the the weird thing about the Enneagram is that, and this is like level two stuff, but like sometimes when regarding health and stress, you can act like a different type. So if you're taking yeah. one of those Enneagram tests online, like I took the first Enneagram test online when I was dealing with complex PTSD. And I typed as a completely, I I typed as the unhealthy version of my number. I typed as the aggressive Mm. forward challenger type. That's not me as a person. So I was like, well, some of this, like, I I get it, but it's not me. And it really led me into this spirally crisis. And I was like, what the heck? So, yeah, I try to, um, I try to. Do it in person with people or over Zoom, but like I like to break it up into like centers of intelligence. Like, are you a heart person? Are you a head person? Are you a gut person? By asking specific questions, and then it's easier to figure out the types from there. Interesting. That's really funny
0: that you mentioned that because the first one I took, it was kind of like a very very stressful time in my life, and I saw the results. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a terrible person. Like, I don't I don't (laughs) like her at all. And then I took it again a few weeks or months later. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. No, this is like just down the line. This was exactly kind of who I am, both good and bad, because nobody's all good or all bad. But um, all right. So before we keep going on and on and on about this, let's talk about what is it? What is the Enneagram and how does it differ from other personality tests, for lack of a better term, like Myers-Briggs that
1: people might be familiar with? Yes. So I want to start by saying there's nothing, there's no superiority to any personality type. I don't think anything is either or I I like both and. Um, But essentially, we say personality typing, but it's really not. It's like essence typing. So it types you by your essence, who you are at your core, who you are meant to be at your healthiest, purest, highest state for all the you know, swirly people out there, my highest self. So that that's who it tells you that you are. Essentially, it just creates a roadmap of the humanity blocking you, the pain blocking you, the fears blocking you from getting to that person. And so that's why it's, it's different. I feel like Myers-Briggs is a little bit outside in. It's kind of like our perception and Enneagram is inside out. The Enneagram, I mean, and it's ancient tradition. I mean, I think it's Aztecan, it's or Incan, it's some, something way back. I know that it predates Young's theories by 1500 to 2000 years. So it's it was an oral tradition type thing. And then I think in the 60s or 70s, Oscar Echazo like started to pen it and write it down. And that's how it made its way here.
0: Wait a minute. So like a thousand years ago, people were walking around saying, I'm a nine wing two or I'm a
1: three no. wing four. <laughs> it was the numbers like one through nine and and a name. And we'll talk about the nicknames as I'm going through the types, but okay, it, but it based itself yeah. on essence it was the, oh, this is who you are you're in a healthy state it was almost like goal oriented
0: interesting, which is another thing we're going to talk about because what I love actually about the Enneagram is that it sort of gives you gives you these levels of like okay, here's who you are when you're like healthy and mm-hmm. like I like to say living your best life. I don't even know what that means like i that will that is not a goal I even have. Compared to what? <laughs> <Right>? Like <laughs> so like that's your healthiest. And then we have the unhealthy levels where, you know, like all of the the challenging stuff about your type is just coming through. So I kind of like that it it's like here's who you are right now, and here's also who you could be. So all right. So it is just it, it is a personality test though. If people go online and they take it, you're gonna be asked a series of questions. Maybe not I like clowns, but you know, things sort of that kind of thing ish, right? Like, what are some of the questions that are typically asked?
1: Um, I remember on one, it was something like, I respond well to conflict, okay, and I like it because it's not a yes or no. So the one that I recommended to you actually is um it's like a kind of like a sliding scale type thing. It's not like yes yeah. or no. So I like that a lot because you can say sometimes, and that actually regards that response.
0: Okay, so you go online or you call Jackie or you do whatever you do to find your type and it spits out a number and there are nine types. Let's talk a little bit about what the nine types are and we're not going to go super in depth, but like you said, they each have a name and I know some some sites sort of name them differently, but we're just going to go with whatever you the expert Um want to call them, which is fine. And then can we talk a little bit about like what a strength is or what a challenge is of each type?
1: Sure. Absolutely. Um, I am just going to go from the top and go one through nine. Go for it. So the Enneagram type one is often called the perfectionist or the reformer. And I like the reformer because not everyone is a perfectionist, but they're all really reformative type people. So they're really principled, really organized. And even if their desk is cluttered, like they're mentally really organized. They're calendar people. They're time oriented people. There's this joke that like they kind of just like things just so. So like if if you put stuff in the dishwasher and then you turn your back, they're going to reorganize the dishwasher. Like that's the kind of the running joke. And for them, because you type based on your core fears, not your actions, for them, their core fear is that they are inherently bad, that they're just inherently corrupt and that if everything around me is not perfect, then I'm not perfect, then I'm not good. And so that kind of drives everything they do. Now, a big strength for them is that they are really incredible role models for like knowing the right thing and just doing it. Like they don't care if it's at their own expense, if it's the right thing, they're going to do it. And that's so beautiful. But kind of one of their downfalls is they don't really have a measuring stick for when something is perfect or done because perfect's not real. So it can get a little difficult for them. Okay.
0: Interesting. Okay. Of course, as you're saying this, I'm thinking about like people in my life. I'm like, ah, Mm -hmm. that fits her perfectly. Okay. So that's type one. Tell us about type two.
1: Okay. So type twos are often called givers or helpers. I really like any of those names, but I heard one called someone say the ninja before, and that's my favorite. So they are super interpersonal, really warm. They are just like, they're the last person to leave the party if there are dishes in the sink. And if you feel like your guests can't touch dishes, like they will stand next to you until you're done washing. Like they're just so there for you. They're so caring and warm hearted. For them, they have this deep seated fear that they need to be needed or that's how they're going to be loved. It's kind of like, I don't have a place here. If I can't give to people, they kind of learned that early on as children, like I need to be needed in order to be loved. So one of their strengths is that at their healthiest, they're really indiscriminate caregivers, like Mr. Rogers type people. Right. Okay. But at their, at their worst at, at, you know, when they're in their stress, they forget to take care of themselves. They completely self-abnegate, and it unfortunately affects their true gifting, which is helping other people. All right. Let's talk about type number three. Okay. So type number three is called the achiever or the performer. I like achiever. Um, Some say the best, and I can't argue with that. So they are success-oriented, very self-assured. They are really, really charming. They are hard workers. Like they are like machines to, to the point where sometimes they're not really the most emotional people. Maybe they feel it on the inside, but they won't show it on the outside even to themselves because emotions get in the way of hard work and checking off those boxes. Really, they care a lot what people think about them. And their core fear is that they are not worth anything outside of their works. And so what you're gonna notice is a lot of threes tend to struggle with imposter syndrome. It's like, I'm not worth anything. That I didn't work for, but also what I work for, I didn't earn. And people are going to find out I'm a fake and it's going to be taken away from me. So they're kind of living with that mm-hmm. tension all the time. Now, a big strength for them is that they, like, literally their strength is in their name. They are achievers. Like, they work hard, they lead well, they are incredible people to follow. But one of their weaknesses is that, unfortunately, because they don't let their emotions get in the way, quote unquote, it tends to back them up emotionally. And then there's like a, a, a bursting of the dam. All
0: right. So you have just described me perfectly and I am absolutely a three. And as you were saying that I'm thinking about every time I release a product, I have my finger on like the send button of the email because I am so afraid that people are going to hate it and then hate me
1: Mm. every single time. My sister's a three and she does the same thing when we work together. We've worked together a couple of times during the pandemic because we work from home. And I'm like, how many times are you going to read that email before you send it, dude? Like, send it. She's like, not yet. And I'm like,
0: okay, okay. And for me, it's not even like I've taken the perfectionism out of it because I understand that that's not – that's just not possible and I can't please everybody. But there is just like this deep-seated fear that whatever I send out will be the thing that just – Like makes my whole thing crash and burn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Every time. Mm. So, you know. Sorry. That's just a little gem for our (laughs) listeners. (laughs) On the other hand, I get stuff done. You're like, gem for our listeners. I'm (laughs)
1: dying on the inside.
0: But I can laugh about it. So yeah. that's really what matters.
1: All right. How about type number four? Yes. So type fours are often called the individualist or the romantic. I think a funny nickname that I don't ever use that that they have for a four is the tortured artist. So let let that paint the picture for you. They are really, really creative. They are sensitive and and they can be reserved. They can be outgoing. It really doesn't matter, but they are creative. They are out there. You remember a four when you meet them. And that's their goal, actually. They strive to be as unique as possible. I'm not talking about, oh, I'm going to wear yellow rain boots if everyone else is wearing black. I'm talking about like just do something differently, stand out of the crowd differently. And for them, their core fear is that if they're not unique, they won't be remembered and they'll just fade away they'll be forgotten they'll be left they'll be rejected they'll be abandoned Hmm. and it is a deep rooted fear for them one of their strengths is that is that they can really help us sit in our feelings and our emotions they will sit with us for like I have a friend who's a four she will sit with me for hours while I process and cry and that's which is very hard for me to do and so that's one of their strengths. They really teach us that. And one of their one of their little pitfalls is that sometimes they can be moody and stuck in their emotions too much when they're not reaching out to the outside world, they'll tend to self-isolate. Okay. All right. What are we on now? 5? Yeah. Five. 5. Yes. Okay, so Enneagram 5s are nicknamed observers or um investigators. I like the theorist. It's that's um one of the Aztec nicknames and I think that's perfectly describing a five. My partner is actually a five. So they are intense. They're very cerebral. They are head centered all the way, like to the point where, you know, if you're like, hey, if you're excited, can you do me a favor and remind your face? Um, They are just (laughs) very detached from their bodies. But they are the thinkers. They are the analyzers. They are the people who have stockpiled all the information, who know a little bit about everything. And if they don't, they're not going to tell you until they do. They are just so information oriented because their core fear is dual sided. The first is that I need to stockpile information because I don't want to look foolish. But also at the same time, their their other side of their fear is I don't want to be depleted of energy. And knowledge takes up less energy than feelings. So I need to just have all my knowledge at the forefront and not be depleted of energy. And so one of their strengths is they are incredibly. Talented at being able to fill in the gaps for us. When I wanted to start my business, I told my partner, who inevitably came to me with all of these gaps I wasn't thinking of, because I'm not brain oriented. And and one of their pitfalls can just be that they tend to underestimate how much they can actually give, and they end up giving very little because they're afraid of depleting themselves.
0: Hmm. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. How about number six?
1: Yes. Yeah, so the type six is often called the loyalist or the guardian. Or the troubleshooter. I like the guardian because I feel like they are the guardian for the rules. Um, They're really, really committed, security oriented. They're super reliable in your friend group. They are the pillar, the lighthouse, whatever you want to call it, um, of your friend group. And for them, they constantly, I don't want to call it like analysis paralysis or decision anxiety, but for them, they think in layers and they contingency plan. So if you have that friend that you tell them a new, Thing And they're like, yeah, but I'm just worried that this or have you considered that this? And they're ringing the alarm because they love you. That's how they think because their core fear is fear itself or that something that could go wrong could go wrong and I need to plan for it. And so one of their biggest strengths is that they are protectors of people and they Are gathering posts for people that they have, they are just a staple in your friend group. I will tell you that. Um, And one of their downfalls is that unfortunately, a lot of opportunities pass them by because they're afraid to make those decisions because perhaps they don't have the information they need to make that decision and it scares them. Okay. How about number seven? Okay. Type seven, they are often called the enthusiast or the party. And I like to say that they're like the Peter Pan of the Enneagram. They are busy, productive, really, really optimistic. They're playful. They're fun. I mean, there's always there's this joke that like the if you look at the bottom of the feet of a type seven, they're not wrinkled because they don't touch the ground. Like they're always flying. Mm. They're always on the net. You want to go to Europe? Yeah, sure. You want to go down the shore? Yeah, sure. You want to go to Olive Garden at midnight? Yeah, of course. So they are always down for the next fun thing. But that is because of their core fear. Their core fear is being trapped in emotional pain. And for them, it's kind of like, if I stay in one place too long, I'm going to remember. Because the thing is, they have a massive capacity for a depth of emotion and they don't want to see what happens. It's kind of like, am I going to really open this can of whoop-ass on myself? So if I go from one thing to the next, I don't have to stop and think about the breakup. I don't have to stop and think about the fact that my my mom left all those years ago. I can just keep going and have fun. Okay. And so one of their strengths is that they keep us young and they keep us honest. They're really fun to be around. That's a huge strength. Um, and one of their weaknesses is that unfortunately they don't they don't give room or space to their pain and it holds them back from making big emotional commitments.
0: All right. So we was that
1: seven? That was seven, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So ready. Yep. We're at eight. We are at eight. Let's talk about eight. Okay. Type eight is called the challenger or the contrarian. Often people call it the dragon. I think they're just the most misunderstood type on the Enneagram. They are dominating. They're really powerful, resourceful, protective, decisive. They're like, you know, if if they're stressed, of course, they'll get aggressive. They'll get cutthroat. They'll get in your face, but they are strong, powerful people. That phrase bull in a china shop, that's a kind of a type eight to a T. And for them, they're core fear is being at the mercy of injustice sh- like showing weakness which is going to lead them to be rejected or blindsided and so for them not only are they strong for themselves but they're strong for the people that they love so they can protect them from being so it's kind of like you know the the big guys in the movies named tiny yeah that's that's the type eight right there okay it's the, the gentle giant right like if you are being bullied the first person to step up is going to be a type eight. They're going to be like, get out of this person's face. Um, So one of their big strengths is that they are really protective. They are really protective. They love their people. When they love hard, they love hard. One of their weaknesses actually, I think is just a misunderstanding. It's that for type eights, that kind of that fighting, that pushing the edge a little, that instigating, it's actually to kind of test, like, is that person really there in the long run? So they'll kind of stomp on the ice between the two of you and make sure you're still there. And the way it's a weakness is that it's not communicated. So people are like, "Why are you pushing me away? And they're like, "I'm not. I want you to stay. <laughs> but they it's not always communicated. And so I'm gonna peg that as one of the the pitfalls there, okay. All right, last one, number nine. Number nine. Uh, Type nine for the Enneagram is often called the peacemaker or the wallflower. And they are the sweethearts of the Enneagram. They get along with others. I've never met a nine that I haven't liked. I've never met anyone who's disliked a nine in our lives. They are incredibly good-natured, kind-hearted, easy to get along with. They keep the peace like their name says. But Here's the thing. They, they want everything to be without conflict. Their core fear is conflict, direct conflict, and in, 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 internal conflict, tension in a room, conflict happening somewhere where they know what's happening. They, they hate it. I, I, it's like kicking a hornet's nest to them. So what ends up happening is they end up melding with other people's opinions and ideas because they just feel like that's the easiest way to not like if my if my needs go unnoticed and, and that's fine because I don't want to cause the conflict. Other people's needs are fine. And so for them, their biggest strength is they're able to referee any situation they're not involved in. Like they are incredible in that way. But one of their weaknesses is that unfortunately they walk around feeling like the people around them don't really know them because they're always melding with other people to keep the peace.
0: Interesting. I married a nine. I married Ooh. a nine, nine, nine. Um, and we'll talk more about this later. But when we both took it and then I kind of looked like, you know, nine with a three, it it described our marriage perfectly, like to a T. Yeah, it was it, honestly it was one of the wow. best things I've ever done for my marriage. So um, ladies out there, take it. Have your, your spouse, your partner, whoever take it. And but don't tell them why. Yes. Just, just have them do it. And then then tell them. It's more fun that way. Okay. So we joked about this a little bit ago about people a thousand years ago walking around saying I'm a two wing nine or a three wing six. What are those mm-hmm. wings? What do those mean? I am
1: so glad you asked because I'm about to go off. and no, I'm just kidding. Okay, um, good. <laughs> well, my biggest pet peeve is when people are like, I took a test online and I'm a three wing seven. And I'm like, that's literally not possible. <laughs> like, that's just not possible. Like, if you imagine a bird, I've never seen a wing growing out of its head or out of its foot. The wings are side by side to the body. So for example, you are a three. Your wings would either be two or four. Your husband's wing, because it he's a nine, he's the last number, would either be one, starting from the beginning, or an eight. I'm an Enneagram too. I don't know if I mentioned that. I'm the, I'm, I'm the giver, the helper. My wings are one or three. It's the number to the left or to the right of your number. And what it does is you don't become that number. You don't take on their motivations. You are your type. But sometimes you take on attributes. So for example, as an Enneagram 2, this helper person, I have a really strong one wing. So not only do I want to help people, but I want to get it right and I have a heart for justice. So I'm, I borrow some attributes. And sometimes I'm working really hard, I'm a freaking machine, and I'm taking from my three wing. But I'm a two through and through. Okay. That's that's really different than one what a lot is out there. And I, that actually makes
0: more sense. That makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. So you, So it's not like you always as a two pull from your one wing. It kind of goes both
1: ways. You can also take from three. Exactly. My my one wing is dominant. I just see it more day to day. But oof, if you want me to finish a project, my three is coming out and it's going to come out naturally. I'm not going mean, to – I don't have to summon it out of me. It's just a very natural ability that I have because it really is a – sick. it's like a cyclical thing. It's like a trickling type thing. So – you know, when you are working really hard, you yourself, to finish something, you might be thinking of all of the people who are going to see it and how you can help them. And that's your two-wing. And then mm-hmm. sometimes you're like, but I just want to stand out. I don't want to do something that no one's ever done before. And that's your four-wing. So that's all – It just it's just part of you.
0: Okay. That clears up a whole, whole lot. Love that. <laughs> okay. So – We also talked a little bit about these like different levels, right, from healthy to unhealthy or Mm -hmm. unhealthy to healthy.
1: Can you explain a little bit more about what those are? Yeah, absolutely. So essentially what can happen is that I I like to say um, like levels of alignment or levels of function because I don't want to be like you're stressed, averaged, or or healthy. I think that's a little not telling of people's stories, but a lot of people – don't realize that it's kind of like a sliding scale of health. When your type is really, really not aligned, really not in the best place, it's going to do certain things. But when you're healthy and you're aligned and you're aware of your core fear and you're aware of the role it plays in your life and managing it, you do very different things. And maybe in your life... When it comes to your relationships, you're on the healthy end of the scale. But when it comes to your relationship with your dad, you're on the unhealthy end of the scale. And that's okay too. That's why I don't like to say like healthy, average and unhealthy type people. I don't think that works, but it's kind of a sliding scale. You go through different seasons. I mean, to be honest, if I'm PMSing, I am on the unhealthier side of the scale. I'm going to be just be very, very frank. So it, it does change. But for the most part, 90% of the time, I'm on the top end of that scale, um, but it fluctuates and people are people. So if you, I mean, if you book a session with me or if you do some research online, you can see here are some ways to know I'm in survival mode I, you know, at my you know—at my most unhealthy. And these are some of the things that my type does when they're in um, crisis mode. It's kind of like rumble strips. You're driving, okay. you don't realize you're veering and then all of a sudden it's like duh, 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 and you're like, oh crap, got to realign. When you know those things that your type does when you're really healthy or average, okay, or really in stress, you know before anything else that you are in stress because that's self-awareness in a nutshell. It's not I don't ever get stressed or ever feel unhealthy. It's I recognize what's going on.
0: Okay. So what are
1: like the threes
0: since we can – we can use me as the example, like their quote-unquote unhealthy levels, like what kind of thing would you look for? What what would those yeah. habits look like?
1: So if I meet a three who has like extreme fear of failure or, um, you know, we look at them, we get to know them, we're like, wow, this person is like really opportunistic in the phony way. Like they're just trying to be all things to all mm-hmm. people. We don't even know who they really are or um, they don't really regard anyone else when they're going after what they want they're just strictly achievement oriented like that's a survival mode type thing and then i'm like okay they're they're kind of doing okay if they're concerned with feeling successful and avoiding failure um but it's kind of like i'm not going to die you know but like i am that is a priority to me or like i'm driven and i'm competitive and i want recognition that's not so bad that's kind of normal right so like there are different levels, and then when I'm when I see a healthy three, I'm like, okay, you don't mask your emotions, but you also understand that that doesn't get in the way of your hard work, or you understand that there's a natural flow to things, or you know you have enthusiasm that's contagious and doesn't push people to the side. Those so those are the different things I'm looking for, and sometimes it's a mix. Sometimes like it's a couple of things from the maybe unhealthy side of the spectrum or some things from the average and then mostly unhealthy. It's it's so varied because pe- people are not one size fits all. They're just not. I
0: like it. So I, that's interesting to me. So like, let's just say f- my business, for example, let's say I'm in unhealthy mode with my business. I can also be in healthier phases with like my relationships or I don't know, community service. So it's not like you are in one place. Yes. It's this more a little bit more situational
1: yeah exactly and then when you when your type looks healthier or unhealthy it can mirror a different type so for example not only how do I put this when you are a type three and you are like running on stress in every area of your life you're going to start to mirror the unhealthy attributes of a type nine now, this is different for every type. I'm just focusing on yours. You don't become yeah. a nine, but you mirror the unhealthy ap- attributes. So a three who is super go-getter will fall into the same unhealthy patterns as the type nine. The I'm not moving unless you move me. I'm not doing anything. I am afraid to make a decision. And so – When, for example, in the beginning I had mentioned um, that I took a test and I was like a completely different type as a two, this kind, sweet, kind-hearted person, I typed as an eight, a challenger, because I was so stressed in dealing with my complex PTSD that I was like, well, I mean, this makes sense, but like this is not who I am. So in stress and in health, you look completely different which it's crazy. It's very mind blowing. But yes, in your in your business, you can be like, I'm really stressed at work. And so I have an extreme fear of of failure and things like that. But then you get home and you're like healthy, authentic. You have emotional responses that are not um, fabricated. You know, it just it looks different in different areas of life. Okay, so
0: let's say you take this test, you get your results and it accurately describes you. And you know, you can be self-aware enough to be like, yeah, that's totally me, spot on, but you don't like it. Can you change who you, can you change your type? Can you change you who you are? Or is that just kind of like, listen, this it's like me with body types. Like, listen, you can be an hourglass, you're never but you're never going to become a rectangle, right? Like you can wanna be right. that, but but you just can't. This is your physical form. So is it a little bit more immutable like that or can you take steps to change
1: who you are no you stay your type and I'm gonna go ahead and, and explain that for a minute I will tell everybody listening because I when I realized I was a type two which most people are like oh that's so sweet you're warm and you're caring and you're I threw the book I was reading across the room and I didn't eat or speak to anyone for three days I had such a hard time with being a two. Why? Because it doesn't matter who you are or what type you are, looking in the mirror, is, it hurts like hell. When you have been exposed to that piece of you that you have like bended the page and and closed the book on for most of your life, which we all have, until it's exposed, like it is painful. You're probably not going to – the only types I've ever heard who are like, oh, I don't mind being this type is a seven because they're excited about everything. And even some sevens have a really hard time with every single person when exposed – when it's exposed like, oh my God, this is just a malformation of how I deal with my core fear it's terrifying. So I'm going to preface by saying that, but no, you you can't change like when you become the healthiest version of who you are, you don't become the healthiest version of your mom or the mailman or the guy at the grocery store. You become the healthiest version of you. It's a sliding scale, but you don't jump from one scale to the next scale. Like one of the things that I think is really different about this is that it's not based on your characteristics. So I can sit here and go if you're a 3, you're probably dressed to kill. If you're a 3, you really care about your appearances. If you're I can I can list all of these fun things. But at the core, what makes a 3 a 3? What makes a, an 8 an 8? What makes those types their types is the core fear that they have inside of them and that doesn't ever go away. It is just managed. My core fear as a type 2 is that if people around me don't need me, I'm not lovable. I'm not useful. And that stays with me every day, but I manage it day by day. And now it doesn't, it doesn't even it's like not even a a big chess piece there until I start to notice unhealthy behaviors. And I'm like, hmm, maybe I'm not getting my needs met, right? So it's like a self-awareness piece, but you are on a sliding scale of being the healthiest or unhealthiest version of yourself. You can't jump ship and be like, I want to be Tiffany now. You know, it just doesn't (laughs) work like that. I love that idea of managing your core fear. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that, and I mean honestly, even knowing what your core fear is 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 a huge part of the battle. So then you can start to manage it. But I just love that rather than having like these aspirations, like I think I would love to be a seven. I would love to be that fun. I would. I truly would. I'm yeah. not. I'm not. I'm. I'm here working. I'll be really honest. Yeah. But you know, knowing knowing what drives me to in that in my threeness. I can start to manage that. I love the way that you've explained that. That is so, so helpful. And I will say, this is what you don't get from um, taking a test online (laughs) and reading your own results. Experts are so helpful. Who knew? <laughs> okay. So I know that a lot of businesses and teams use the Enneagram to help with leadership and corporate culture, all that good stuff. But how can we use it sort of in our everyday lives? Are there, and are there some not so good ways to use it? Like, should I stop saying to my husband, stop being such a nine, which by the way, I don't. Or, you know, should we not assume what other people are?
1: Like, how can we use it well in our lives? That's such a great question. So to answer your, your, one of your questions, yeah, if you're saying you're being such a blank, stop. Anything. By the way, if you're saying you're being such a anything, stop doing that. Um, I have a friend who always goes, you're being such a such a, which is his way of saying like I'm annoyed and I'm not trying to ascribe any value to you. That's going to hurt your feelings, but you're annoying me, which I love. He's like, you're such a such a. And I'm like, okay, care." point taken. Thank you. Um, but yes, I would say stop saying you're such a blah, blah, blah. You Once you know someone's Enneagram type, it never has to come up again. And that's how you know you're wielding your power well. Okay. It never has to come up again. Do your research in how that person gets along with your personality type and just know. So if you guys are fighting, so for example, my partner is a, is a five and he's cerebral and I'm heart forward and it could be a big explosion sometimes because I'm like, match my emotions. Yes. And yes. Sometimes... It it never has to come up again, though, that he's a five. Sometimes I just I know that he has a fear of looking like very foolish. So in the middle of an argument, I'll stop and I'll say, what do you feel like I'm saying about you right now? And he'll say, I feel like you're telling me I'm an idiot. And I'm like, OK, I'm not. Let me let's rework this before we continue. So that never has to come up again. Just knowing their type and doing your own research is is going to be wildly helpful. Don't type other people. Don't listen. Don't look at somebody and go wow, you really love to be around everyone and smile seven um, or, oh, you don't care what kind of ice cream we eat. You're a nine. Like, don't don't make those assumptions because I could walk into a room and be anything I want in that moment. And you'll never know. You don't ever know the core motivations inside of someone's heart or their core fears because they they probably don't know them themselves, to, to be honest. There are really good ways to use it. But I will say this, especially when it comes to companies or in relationships, you can facilitate a lot of the communication and communicate how you'd like to be communicated to and all of those things. However, until the other person actually does the work, you can say or talk about the Enneagram or use that tool until you're blue in the face, but it really depends on that person to use their self-awareness to change. And I mainly say this to a lot of people in in corporate, but it's kind of like, yes, I I gifted this knowledge to your workplace, but I'm so sorry, but that one intern who – understands that they're an Enneagram type six but refuses to change anything and so therefore doesn't do any work, the Enneagram not going to change them. It's it's literally just a roadmap. So good ways to implement that are to be, you know, or to be self-aware, to read some books, have conversations, communicate, put up boundaries, anything that raises your self-awareness in general. And some don't mm-hmm. do's is say you're such a this or type other people, especially children um, that have to put that out there just for any parents Um, some types look identical as children, Um, fours and sevens, right? Fours, the ones who are very emotional. They don't do emotions. They are emotions. And sevens, who like to hide from their emotions. They're identical as children, and you don't want to instill in them a a kid life crisis.
0: Well, that's really funny because my next question was about using it with kids. Before we chatted today, I'd, I'd actually Googled Enneagram and kids, and I was trying to figure out what my children were. Should I just leave that Google search alone?
1: Um, well, no, I, so I think there's, there's a a nice balance to it. It's kind of like the love languages for your children. It's like, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I would say do the research, but keep it to yourself or, you know, between you and your, and your partner, just because you can start to ask the questions. For example, if I notice that my four-year-old is really artistic and I'm like, wow, they're an Enneagram type four, or I can just ask, how are you feeling today? And they're just like, fine. And they had they don't want to talk about their feelings. They don't want it's like it can be really misleading. So I'd say wait till they get older, but just observe. Observe and watch. Do your research. Learn about the numbers. Learn about the numbers when they're little. They will get to an age where you'll be able to discuss it with them. I would say late teens and early 20s, which I know is like, like really fun. Oh, wow. Yeah. But that's the age where people are finding themselves and they can answer those questions quite quickly. Um, and you know, from from there on out, it's it's I would say it's worth the wait.
0: Okay. As I was going through these and there's, if you just Google Enneagram for kids, there's one that kind of gives some, some characteristics of children. And one of my girls, my 12 year old, I could figure out really easily. I'm like, oh yeah, that's really her. But my nine year old, I was like, I don't know some of this, a little of that. Uh, And, and she's a little bit more, you know, kind of malleable than, than the other one. So yeah, I we did the love languages as a family and I thought that was super helpful. But, you know, anything that helps me understand my children better <laughs> is a good tool, yeah. is a really good tool. But there is no like quiz for kids to take.
1: Yeah, and I, I wouldn't recommend it because not for nothing. If you're a kid and people go, oh, look, it's, this is just for fun. But if it's a test and you recognize that it's asking you about yourself, you're going to answer at the best, your best uh, possible Capability as a kid, so it's okay. So kind of an yeah. answer bias, and, sort of. And that's the challenge. thing. Like I, I, I'm. I just pulled up really quick on my computer. You know, qualities of an Enneagram Type Two child. And it's like sensitive to praising criticism, wants to be popular, burnout from overdoing it for others, good sense of humor. Those weren't anything like I was as a child. Like, I think if someone looked at me as a child, except I, I did cry a lot because I was just an emotional kid. But I cried at like movies and things like that. Um, I, I probably looked more like an adult five as a child. I was just – I kept to myself. I wanted to read. I wanted to learn. And the only person I spent a lot of time with was my grandma in the kitchen just learning how to cook. Like, so trying to really specialize in something. So that's that's very type five, and I'm not. So it's it can get tricky. If you love someone enough to know their Enneagram type, let them type themselves. That's kind of just how – I think the best way to put it. Like if you if you love someone so much that you feel like this is gonna help the relationship, it'll help so much more if you let them do it themselves. That is super, super good advice. But I have to say, doing the
0: Enneagram was, I mean, just an online free test was one of the best things Mm -hmm. that. That I've ever done for my marriage, and we've been married. It'll be sixteen years and oh, two goal. two days, two days from happy now. Yeah. that's my goal. Thank you. Right there, thank you. Uh, you know, so in sixteen years, not everything has been sunshine and roses, and you know, happy conversations. There's been some definite challenges, but when I read those, I was like, oh my gosh, like so many things that I get irritated with are because he just wants me to be happy. Right. And all I want from him is an opinion. Like, I don't care what we eat either. I just want you to tell me what you want. Because the same way he wants me to be happy and avoid conflict, I want him to be happy. But he always puts my needs first. Like, it is more important that I be happy than he be happy. And so now I kind of understand that. And I go, okay, well, you know what? If it makes him happy to let me pick the restaurant, fine, I'll just pick the restaurant. Right. Whatever, just these kind of little irritations. That I now understand so much more and now they don't become bigger things, you know, and it's easy to say, oh, well, that's just the way he is. Totally. People are just the way they are. But when you understand why they are the way they are, there's a lot more grace and a lot more understanding, which um, for us has been just a really, really, really good thing. So. Ladies out there, guys out there, whoever's out there listening, you know, if you are in a very close relationship, especially right now when we're spending so much time Mm -hmm. together,
1: it may be worth worth looking into it a little bit. I will say this too. I think I remember saying this to a quite judgy friend when I first started dating my partner because she didn't like him, even though she had never met him or heard about him, which is very interesting. Keep keep an eye on those. Fair enough. Um, But I remember saying. I'm not going to compare this man I don't know to my expectations of what a relationship should look like. I'm going to get to know him and then I'm going to compare him to himself. And I have done that from that day going forward, especially when it comes to the Enneagram. When you when you know someone's expectations, their limits, I know that he gets depleted easily, right? So I'm learning that. I'm learning him. Then I can assess and say, hey, I feel like in this season, you're not giving your 100% based on how I know you, not what I'm expecting, not what I need based on how I know you. And my needs are important too. And I, and I communicate those and he's gotten to know me too. And like, there was a day where he was, I remember we were watching movies like all day and he looked at me and said, what do you want to do tomorrow? Let's, let's go out. Let's, and I was like, uh, okay. And he's like, right. because Cause, cause, cause Qua- what did he say? Because quantity time is not quality time, right? Like, because we watched movies all day and he knows that that's important to me. And I was like, yeah, okay, let's go out tomorrow, you know, because he knows I want that quality time. And that comes from allowing the yeah. other person to be themselves, but also understanding they're going to stop themselves a little bit because they have a fear even if they don't show it. So get to know that person and compare them to themselves. No one wants to be compared to your expectations.
0: That is fantastic advice, which is probably a very, very good place to leave this conversation. Mm -hmm. But I always ask my guests one final question, which is what would you like our listeners to take away from our conversation today? Are there just one or two things that you want people to stick in their brains and walk away
1: with? Yes. Um, I have two things and I'll make them quick. The first is that once you figure out your type you're going to realize that 99% of the time the things that we think are flaws about ourselves are actually superpowers in disguise and like you know like everything else it's like a muscle that atrophies without use so if you think oh you know i'm so emotional all the time this is such a flaw it's actually a superpower you just have to wield it well that's number 1 oh that's good thank you number 2 is that i don't care what your type is you need a boundary somewhere and if you don't know what your boundaries are or need to be, make a list of all of the things that you are currently tolerating and then figure out what the boundaries are, because there's nothing in this life that you should be tolerating. You should be excited about everything except taxes.
0: <laughs> okay. You know what? I'm going to have you back in a few months and we're going to talk about boundaries. <laughs> I will tell you, I am always so impressed with people with boundaries.
1: Oh, I'm ba- I'm a boundary queen. So
0: impressed. Like I just said no to my mother. I'm like, I would never say no to my mother ever, ever. Like I just, like the thought just hurts my heart to say no to my mom, even though there are times where I probably should. But that is a conversation for another day and we're going to have that conversation. So where can we find you on the
1: internet if we want to learn more or connect with you? Yes, I am on Instagram. I love to play there. My Instagram is at table for nine coaching. It's F-O-R and the digit nine. And my website is table dot com, spelled the same way. And then after you've listened to every single podcast episode twice, three times, then you can search for the Table for Nine podcast on iTunes or Spotify.
0: (laughs) Well, we will put the links to all of that in the show notes. You've got something fun for
1: our listeners though, right? Yes, I do. Yes. I would love to talk with you guys and figure out what your type is. Go through all the things, childhood wounds, levels of health, all the fun things. So if you come here from this podcast and mention this podcast by name, I will give you $30 off your typing session.
0: That is amazing. And like I have discovered today, doing it for free on the internet is nothing compared to actually talking to an expert. So Jackie, I'm going to be reaching out to you myself Mm -hmm. uh, because I think this stuff is so helpful and valuable and important. Um, And I just want to thank you again for your time and for sharing your knowledge with us. We will put all of those links on the show notes. So if you're driving, just keep driving and you can find them. Just head to youreverydaystyle.com slash podcast. Find the episode with Jackie and, and you can find all the good stuff there. Jackie, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time again and just for coming on the show and sharing with us.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was such a joy and I vibed with you real well and I can't wait to talk again (laughs) about boundaries.
0: Yes, ma'am. Ladies, have a stylish week and I will see you next time. Class is dismissed for today, but the conversation doesn't have to end. Head over to youreverydaystyle.com forward slash podcast for show notes, freebies, and links to connect with me on social media. And if the Everyday Style School podcast is making style easier and more fun for you, it would make my day if you would subscribe to the show, leave a review, and share it with your friends so women everywhere can have more fun with style. I'll see you next time. And until then, stay stylish.